Hello and welcome to the Facilitating Extraordinary podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier, and I'm joined by a good friend and former classmate, Daniel Pig. And Daniel is the CEO of the Sycamore Winery. Um, but Daniel, I have to say this right from the beginning, you've got to be the most successful entrepreneur. Even just <laughs> saying the CEO of the Sycamore Winery, that does not capture your background at all. So um, for those people that don't know you, um, why don't you give a brief introduction? Sure. Well, um, thank you. It's flattering, but I, I, I don't know that I'm, uh, I'm that big time. But um, like you said, Travis, we've been friends a long time, went to, uh, went to high school together and uh, enjoyed some time at ISU together as well. Um, went to ISU as my undergraduate, came out and um, started working for an insurance firm, a uh, big company out of Kansas City, and, and moved on to a, another firm in Indiana uh, before buying an agency, um, owning it for about nine years. I sold that uh, company in 2014 and, uh, and moved on. And one of the things that I've done pretty much my, my entire career has been uh, owning real estate, which has been huge for me, uh, owning uh, individual properties, single family units, residential, some commercial, uh, some farm, ag ground, and really just kind of picking that up and, and learning that on my own. And that's really helped me in my business career just by providing some capital uh, when I need it for projects. So uh, the winery, you know, where I'm, where I'm at now, I, I actually have a couple different roles. Uh, you know, I'm the director of business engagement for Indiana State University. Uh, so I work with startup companies and I work with existing companies that are looking to scale up and to grow, uh, do that a lot. So on a typical year, I work with around 40 to 45 companies, um, various in size from, you know, five employees to 250 employees to 500 employees. Uh, and, and depending upon what their need is, you know, we'll sit down and, and talk and work and I'll just kind of consult back and forth with them to, to help them out. Um, started the winery actually back in uh, 20, well, I'll say 2010. I actually just started making winery at home in my basement and um, kind of moved on from there in, in 2015, found a piece of ground that I thought was perfect, my, my wife and I, and uh and bought it and I immediately started working on it and, uh, and, and clearing some ground and getting it prepped. And then we opened uh, this location up to the public in 2017, uh, July 1st, 2017. And uh, we've been going full, full steam ahead uh, since then. So uh, we've developed about 60 acres and uh, we do large scale events. Uh, we do a lot of weddings. Last year we did about 120 events, a lot of weddings, receptions. Uh, we have a large tasting room a uh, large production facility. And we also have a brewery on site as well. Uh, our brewery is Big Leaf Brewing. And uh, we added a second location, uh, good or bad this year on uh, March 13th. Uh, we actually opened it to the public the day of the governor's order in the state of Indiana to, uh, to limit gatherings due to uh, COVID-19. So it wasn't the best timing, but uh, that's probably my entrepreneurial journey uh, mixed in there. You know, I, I've, uh, I've worked with a lot of different uh, startups and companies on tons of different projects and um, some have been successful and some of them not so much. Yeah. And I think you have a lot to offer to our listeners. And I, I vividly remember um, even when we were in college together, you probably don't remember this, that you were working for the insurance company and you were running cat five cable through one of these insurance office buildings. And I happened to be there. I wasn't really much help at all. And then also at Indiana State, you had to be one of the youngest real estate owners in kind of the, the college 
area, you know, and I always remember thinking that that was really cool. Fast forward to today, the Sycamore Winery is one of the most beautiful places in our community in West Terre Haute. It's hands down. There's Thank no you. question about it. And then the, the, the new building you just quickly mentioned happens to be one of the most historic, beautiful buildings in Terre Haute. So it, it's not just a building, it's, um, it's a piece to, of history. And I think it's so cool that you all um, are gonna have a meaningful impact there. You know, the timing isn't right, but I think the, the, the business decision, the move, the risk um, is absolutely right. Um, so I do think that, you know, you're probably born with some type of entrepreneurial kind of DNA. There's no question about that. But recently with, with the current pandemic, you know, I think that you've shared stories with me just prior to this podcast that how, how have you been able to innovate and try to find new ways to serve your customers during this time. So, so take, take us through maybe the mindset and some of this, some of the issues you had to navigate. Yeah, sure. So, so we, you know, we base our business largely around being experience-based business. So, you know, we're in, in the, uh, the wine industry, uh, but I, I tell people very upfront, um, you know, it was never about the wine. It's never about the wine. It's, it's always about, um, you know, the, the way you feel when you're here and, and that experience that you have. And if we can control that and capture that, uh, then you'll be a raving fan with us. And so uh, we do that on a couple different levels. And I'll, I'll go into a, a long-winded explanation, but, you know, I want you to turn into our driveway here in, in uh, Westerhout. Uh, I want you to just, you know, your eyes pop and you say, this is, this is one of the most amazing places that I've seen. Uh, out here, and I never knew uh, this could could be here in the Midwest. Uh, I want you to step into our lobby and uh, and look at our tasting room and just be blown away. So I want that to be uh, capture number two, uh, and then I want you to go back on our back patio and and I want you to look at our our lakes and that the the expanse of sixty acres that's just unbelievably beautiful, um, and that's capture number three. And if we can uh, if we can control that, and our staff does exactly what they always do, and and they're they're very cordial. Uh, we can control that experience, and um, you're gonna you're gonna think that wine tastes even better at the end of the day. To be honest, uh, and so that's what we do. Um, that's a challenge when we come up with a force like COVID nineteen, and uh, we cannot have that experience, uh, at least not in a traditional sense. Uh, so we had to uh, we had to pivot, and and whether you want to say pivot or, or innovate or rapidly change, uh, whatever it is. Uh, we had to do that, and, and we had the discussions like a lot of small businesses uh, where we sat around and we said, you know, there, there's the woe is me side of it that says, okay, you know, here's how we're going to suffer this year, and we need to cancel events due to uh, exposure risk, and we knew that was the right thing to do, and we knew we were going to do it. Um, we discussed, you know, our options are we can close, uh, and if we do that, the ramifications are we send our staff away and send them to unemployment. Um, we have a good crew. They're loyal to us. We feel we should be loyal to them. Uh, we made the choice early on to say that even if we do close, we would continue to pay them. Um, and so obviously our, our, uh, our last choice was we're going to stay open. What can we do? And um, so we made that choice. And, and, and what we did was uh, we ramped up very quickly within a few days and an updated um, online website uh, to push more purchases online for shipping wine uh, by the case. We can ship to 32 states now, uh, which is pretty big for uh, 
what I consider a small winery like ours. Um, and then we also started pushing um, sales actually curbside. So, um, you know, and, and that has been uh, a dominant force for us. So we actually have a, a pretty creative team uh, on staff uh, that puts out uh, posts that uh, list new slushy flavors every day. And if you're not familiar with wine slushies, if you're from an area that hasn't experienced it, uh, it will come your way, I'm, I'm telling you, so be ready for it. Um, but it's basically, you know, a, a, an adult uh, Capri Sun a wine slushie. And uh, Perfect. <laughs> we, make, uh, we make different flavors of it very creatively. Uh, we release a different flavor every day, Wednesday through Saturday. And uh, we list those flavors online the night before around 7 p.m. And by 8 p.m., we sell out of over 1,000 of them every day. Um, so we count on, on sellouts every night. Uh, we count on our raving fans to, uh, to be uh, those, those, those fans that are having a different experience where they're not coming inside. They're not experiencing an event. They're not experiencing the patio. But what they are experiencing is they can order online in the convenience of their home. Uh, they know it's prepared in a safe, uh, under safe conditions. They can pull right up to our curb at the designated time. And they know we're going to be there to uh, smile beneath our mask, to hand them their order. And uh, within usually 30 minutes to 60 minutes, we can expect them to post online about how great it was and how they want to try to get in the lottery for the next day's slushy. Yeah. Yeah. I've, so Daniel, I've got to admit, I've had so much fun watching the social media posts about your wine slushies. I don't know, like, I don't know what the definition of viral is, but some of those posts from your raving fans, and I'll come back to that. I want to talk to you a little bit about your raving fans a little bit more. Um, you have raving fans. And I think, I think part of it is connected to the vision you described of pulling down this country road, making this left or right turn, depending if you're coming off of 63 or the other way, you pull into this place and you almost feel like you're someplace different. And I think then you walk into the tasting room and you're greeted by people sometimes that you know. I, I know when I visited the winery, it was almost like a reunion in some ways. You, you kind yeah. of connect with people and then the back area and what you've done with the walking trails are just beautiful. And following your journey through how you've tried to innovate that and extend that beyond your walls with these offers, offerings curbside, um, there's no question you've developed some raving fans in the community but what do you think, you know, is there any kind of silver bullet? How have you done that so quickly? You know, you said you had this vision in 2010, but it didn't become a reality really until 17, right? I mean, until you opened the doors. How, how do you do that so fast? Yeah, um, I, you know, we're probably the classic overnight success that, you know, took seven years in the making. So, you know, I, I started doing wine in my basement in 2010. Uh, I actually started developing another property for this particular winery in 2013. And as I said, I, I sold a company in 2014, not under good terms. So I say I sold that company and, and a lot of people are like, oh, that's great. That's phenomenal. Like, no, that was the worst thing I ever wanted at that time. Uh, it's one of those decisions where I said, this is not a good thing. And now that I look back, you know, six years, I say that was probably the best thing that could happen to me. Um, but that caused me to, 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 to pause on that project. In 2015, this unique piece of ground came up, and I got re reinvigorated, uh, started going again, and, and uh, decided to open. Um, why I think we've been successful so quickly, you know, in terms of being open, we've, we've only been open three and a half years. Um, why we have such a huge loyal following, 
you know, we're, we're big, uh, very big supporters of our community. Uh, so, and I'm not saying just financially, I, I, we do give a percentage of, uh, of ourselves to different causes. We do uh, support scholarships for, for local um, high school students going into Indiana State University, which is our alma mater. Uh, and that's important to us. So we, we feel that that's important. Um, but we also, you know, we, we also treat our employees right. You're exactly right, Travis, when you said it, it felt like when I go in there, I knew the people because you did know the people, right? They're from around here. And, uh, you know, we make, we take a winery experience. Uh, a lot of individuals in our area, believe it or not, uh, have never stepped foot in a tasting room. And, uh, you know, my mom included, I, I, I laugh because I opened up the winery and my mom had never stepped foot in a tasting room. She asked me what you do. Um, and so th there's really a, a misconception in a lot of tasting rooms and wineries that, you know, wineries, okay, you, you got to look a certain way. You have to know stuff about wine. And that's, that's not us. Um, you know, the Sycamore Winery, we are, uh, we're a great facility and it's beautiful, but you can come in here and, uh, and love Boone's Farm wine, uh, $2.99 a bottle, or you can be a wine connoisseur and know everything about it and you're going to fit in and we're going to have something for you. And our staff's going to be extremely accommodating. Um, and that's what we want. We want you to have a good time, whatever that means. And so I think uh, by doing that, we've just created a lot of individuals that probably were unsure at the beginning and, and came out and really just realized what a cool, unique, unbelievable asset a place like ours can be to a community. And yeah. in, in rural, rural America and in, in rural counties like ours, we were actually the first winery to open up. So there wasn't a winery in our county. Um, what the areas realized is, you know, um, as our success goes, so goes the success of the places around us. So, you know, we have a, we have a, a, a pub and a tavern, a, a one mile uh, east and west each way. Um, they do better. When we have big events. They rock it out too. Yeah. Uh, when, when people leave our place some nights, we close early like a, like, um, like we feel we should, we, we enjoy our family time. So we don't stay open until the wee hours. Um, but when individuals leave our place, should they want to go somewhere else, they go a mile down and they support those local places too. So, um, that's really what, what's helped us. You know, we're, we, we also promote, you know, we, we let people know what we're doing. We, yeah. we let people know why we think we're cool. Um, we think we do events. Awesome. We think the weddings out here are beautiful. Um, we don't think anybody can compare with us in our offering because um, we don't think anybody will work harder as hard as we do uh, to, to make it the most perfect event and the, the most perfect experience. And I think that's why we're successful. Yeah. I, I think you hit on multiple things there and I took a couple notes. I think one thing that you haven't explicitly said, Daniel, is that a lot of what you've been able to do, I believe is just because of a strong vision and leadership that you and Sarah have. And I think, when you think about a gesture that you said that you made early on in the pandemic, probably before you knew how long this thing was going to last, you made a commitment to your team that we're going to pay you no matter what. And I think it's silly for people to think that that doesn't cascade outside of organizations. That type of leadership vision, that type of commitment to your people, it's really easy for a community to get behind owners like that because they see it. If um, if you would have made that decision, I know you well enough, you would have, you didn't even, it wasn't a decision. Let's be honest, you, that was the only path ahead for you. But if another owner was faced with that decision and maybe made the other decision, 
community starts to hear about that. And I, I think that, you know, that could negatively impact an organization. So, you know, I, I think you and Sarah deserve a lot of this. And, you know, so much of the work that we do at Jordan Johnson is around strategy and, and leadership. And um, you touched on so many kind of fundamental principles about failing fast in some of your other ventures. And um, ultimately, you, you, you know, you struck at gold seven years in the making, like you said, right? But people right. outside looking in, it's just like, oh, that building came up and they're doing great. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. Right. So, you know, um, to, to, to kind of echo what you were saying, uh, it, it's easy to say, well, I would have made that decision too. Um, but, you know, Sarah and I, we, we still have a discussions about every night about where we're at and and where we're going. And we did make that decision pretty easily early on to say, you know, our crew has been, has been with us since day one. Uh, they've been loyal to us. They've done an awesome job. Uh, part of our success is, is due to them and their support and their hard work and when they're here. Um, so at the minimum, we owe that to them to do everything we can to keep them on and to keep them making their paycheck, uh, keep providing for their family and and also we owe it to our community um you, you know i mean we're we're one of the this sounds uh can can sound a little crazy sometimes when you talk to people about this but we're one of uh the few normal experiences that some of our community can still have wednesday through saturday when they come through our line and do pick up orders uh some people would say you're just a winery and i'd say you know we're not um we're part of of a, a, a part of a daily experience for someone uh, where they can come look through the window. Uh, I recognize vehicles. My crew recognize vehicles. We recognize faces. Um, that's important to people right now to have that. And, uh, and we want to keep providing that. So uh, by treating those employees right though, and making that decision early on, it was 100% the right thing to do. Uh, if, if we wouldn't have, uh, have been so successful with our, our curbside pickup, it was still the right thing to do and we'd still be doing it. Yeah, that just, you know, that says a lot about you and Sarah, for sure, Daniel. Um, you talked a little bit about how the winery is giving back to the community. And I think that that's, um, ever since you started that, that's been a commitment that you've made um, through different scholarships. Where, where does that passion come from for you is, you know, connecting to the community? You know, um, you touched on something early on in, in a comment and you say, you know, you, Daniel, you probably got some type of entrepreneurial DNA. Uh, maybe I do, maybe I don't, I don't know, but, but here's what I do know. I, I know my mom and dad, uh, growing up, uh, always worked hard and would always give you the shirt off their back. Uh, my dad was always a, a hustler and, and he had rental property and that's how I got into rental property. And, um, didn't have, you know, two cents to rub together when I was going into, uh, to college for the most part and um had, had had bought my first house actually on a on a credit card advance um uh, the first credit card i got i just used cash advance on it and that's how i got into real estate but um you know my parents always stressed to me that you know we had it tough and people helped us out and that's why we're where we are so uh you know i just kind of took the page from them that you know if you're given something you, you have that that responsibility that duty to to also give it back and, um, you know, as cliche as it sounds, uh, when, when someone says, you know, when you help someone, it comes back to you tenfold. That's what Sarah and I experience here. You know, I mean, we, uh, 
we try to do anything and everything, uh, both with our time, uh, personally, professionally, uh, sitting on boards, um, and then what we can financially as well. And uh, it, it seems like everything we've done has come back to us tenfold. And, um, you know, the, the community is looking for, um, lot, not just our community, lots of communities are looking for uh, leadership, um, for hope in some form. And so that's what we try to give them. You know, I mean, we, we try to give them everything we can with our effort. Um, we, want, uh, we want the community to see us, Sarah and I, we, we're visible uh, here at the winery. We work alongside our crew. Um, and we know that if we keep doing that, we can, the, the, the more we can do that and the more we can build, the more we can give back too. So um, that's what's, it's just important to us. It's important to us both. And we both felt fortunate um, on, on where we are at in life and, um, and the, the things that we have. So I, I guess that's, you know, a long answer to that too, but it's just, it was ingrained in both of us really probably from, from our family and from our, our upbringing and our experience uh, that we just think, you know, we have this duty to give back in whatever form we can. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I, I think I speak on behalf of the community there for sure that um, keep doing what you're doing, Daniel and Sarah, because, uh, I think the Sycamore Winery is a staple in West Terre Haute. And, you know, you've even got people traveling from Evansville and all across the, you know, Midwest coming to the Sycamore Winery. And um, that's just a sign, I think, of more good things to come. But I'm going to ask you to change your hat. So right. put, on, put on your Indiana State Business Engagement Center hat. Sure. I'm going to ask you a couple questions around that. So, in that role, you help, like you said, help businesses and um, you know local leaders kind of advance their businesses. What what advice would you give to someone that's interested in starting their own business? Uh, you know, I get that question a lot, actually, of advice or, or direction. Um, you know, one, be ready for a long wild ride, and um, to do your research, whatever that means, you know, do your industry research, uh, do your competitive research, um, be open to take other individuals input, good or bad, and, um, you know, and, and be passionate about it for whatever, whatever that's worth. If it's something you're interested in and you love, then it's gonna, it's gonna come a lot easier uh, for you. Um, I give the example with, you know, when I relate back to my winery, I said, you know, with, you know, the crazy thing, I get a lot of feedback because uh, I'm probably the only person you know that owns a, a winery or a brewery, and, and I'm not a big drinker. Um, you know, I make wine and I taste it, and that's about the extent of it. Um, but I love business, and I love business building, and I'm very passionate about um, the wine industry. is such a unique business. So that's why, I, you know, that's why I, one of the reasons I, that I started doing this. But uh, for new business owners, I would say the biggest um, the, the biggest piece, um, that I have to address is normally finding capital. Okay. I've got this idea and this passion and I want to pursue it. Now, where do I go? I, I need to find money and I need to, to access that. Um, and if you're willing to put in the time and the effort and, um, and, and everything that it takes to get going, the money will come at a certain point. You'll find it one way or the other, if it's meant to be. So, you know, I mean, that, that's what I would say outside advice other than that is, you know, just keep grinding it. Um, if someone's getting up at 
5 a.m. and and uh, and beating you, then you need to get up at 4 a.m. Right. And uh, someone staying up till nine o'clock, and you stay up till 10 o'clock. That's what uh, that's what I honestly believe. I'm not saying neglect your body or, or neglect your health. I'm just saying um, if you work harder than everyone else in the room, you, I mean, you're going to make it. And that's who I want on my team. Yeah, that sound that reminded me of almost a Coach Petcher quote from our high school cross country days, Daniel, that he would say, if you're not up early, there's somebody else that is up early. And when you two meet, they will beat you. <laughs> right. It, it's just yeah. like that whole mindset of, you know, hustle. And, um, yes. you know, it, you've definitely done that. And people you, listening. You know, there's so much to learn from, uh, from competitive activities too. And, and whether you say, you know, a sport or in, and, you know, we have running in common and, you know, you look at, at, someone like pre and you read some of his his philosophy and you know he wants to beat you on pure heart and um and, and i love that i think that's so awesome when uh you meet someone uh, it doesn't have to be in a, in a race running uh you meet someone in business and they're so passionate and so driven um you know i can i can really compare that a lot of times to someone that we maybe used to race against where i'm like that's the guy that i want on my team or that's the guy I know got up an hour earlier than I did. And I know I'm going to dread facing him because like, he's going to be a pretty worthy opponent. Yeah. Um, so you can see that in business too. And, and, and I see that a lot of times with, with executives or people starting businesses when I'm talking to them, you can, that really comes out in people. And um, I, I hope that I, uh, I hope that it comes out in me. And I think it does a lot of times when I talk about, you know, our business, because it's, it, it's just such a fun, interesting, um, business and I love it and I love to see it grow and I told you before this this call started you know you said how you doing I said well we're getting our butt kicked and uh and it's awesome and, and it's, <laughs> such, it's such a stressful time and uh things are such uh, so up in the air for us and um and I love it uh it, it's just it, it's awesome again it's what you know it's what makes me uh, get up early and, and stay up late is because like I want to keep growing uh, I want to be the best we can be, and I want to be that guy that when you when you meet uh, when you when you meet us, you say to yourself, "Man, that guy's on it. Like he's working hard. I want him on my team." Yeah, and I, I think you're right with comparing business to any kind of athletics, um, and us being former distance runners. You know, you're in a marathon, and anytime you've ever ran a marathon, I've ever ran a marathon. There's a point in that race where you want to stop you want to quit, you've hit the wall. And I think this current pandemic is the wall for a lot of businesses. And I think having your mindset um, to know that we're going to get through this. And I loved your comparison prior to our, our talking. Simon Sinek calls it the worthy, your worthy rivals. Those are the people that help you continue to get better. And I hope you don't mind me sharing, but you even said that you'll connect with your kind of interstate competitors in some way, but you've got this kind of respect and relationship that you you all kind of believe in this abundance mindset and you want to help each other continue to grow and develop. And I think, you know, just like you said, athletics and business overlap in a Venn diagram that way that's almost just directly overlapping. I yeah. think you said it perfectly. Yeah. So no given question. the... G given the current, you know, pandemic, what are you seeing through the engagement center as maybe opportunities or trends 
um, that could help, you know, maybe have a dramatic impact post pandemic? Are, are you seeing anything surface? Yeah, well, a couple things. Uh, you know, there's going to be the good and the bad. I think what we're going to see, I know what we're going to see is uh, what I've already seen is some some businesses that are kind of throwing up their hands saying this is it and this is the death knell and, and some have already given up. So uh, what we will see, um, I believe, is we'll see a wave of, of businesses go under and not come back, not open back up. Um, part of it will be because uh, they weren't going to make it anyway. Part of it will be because, you know, this was the, the, the final factor that pushed them over the edge. So we're going to see that, and that's going to be unfortunate. We'll, we'll see a lot of closures, a, a lot of window space that's that's open, uh, a lot of bank takebacks, uh, a lot of uh, foreclosures on equipment and, and buildings. Uh, that's coming. Um, what we're also going to see is we're going to see uh, entrepreneurs who uh, really jump on that opportunity and say, you know, we can still make something of this whether it be in, in those locations that come up with that equipment that comes up. Um, and we're going to see um, businesses that, that arise out of this and, and that do businesses different. So it could be a tech tech focused business uh, that uh, comes out with some new technology. Um, you know, we're talking right now on zoom and, and you think, well, how many zoom meetings did you have all of last year, you know, and, uh, and now I have them daily and, and, and what a great thing. Uh, so we're going to see businesses like that. We're also going to see businesses just like my own, where we say, you, you know what, maybe we really drastically underestimated the potential of carryout for something as simple as wine slushies. We just never thought of our business in a way like that, right? Um, and so now when we, we, we kind of open our eyes a little bit, we say, gosh, there's huge potential here. We should be harnessing this power every week, even when we're open. Um, and so we're going to take advantage of that. And uh, I say take advantage like it's a bad thing. It's, it's, it's not. We're going to, we're going to adjust. Uh, we're going to do what we need to do to keep growing and to, uh, to move forward in like a, a, a new way. That's great. And I think, you know, all of us that are consumers right now have had to experiment, experiment with some kind of curbside pickup. And, you know, we're several weeks into this now. And the consumer facing part of me would say, that's so convenient now. I, I want, that's maybe becomes a requirement for people. And sure. having that could be a potential differentiator, I think, for some of these businesses. And, you know, in the healthcare space, we're seeing a lot of, you know, providers and clinicians, some of them would resist telemedicine, you know, video kind of. Uh, visits and what we're seeing now with some of our clients is this almost innovation curve kind of over the hump kind of like this wasn't as bad as we thought I can see more patients from my house with these routine visits so I, I think that there are some bright spots to this that once we get through this it's probably not going to be back to normal but I think that there is definitely growth would you agree yeah, no, 100%. I think you're going to see some businesses that really thrive and take off uh, just by, by simply um, it, it's, it's forced mind opening. So, you know, you don't have a choice but to do business this way right now uh, if you're going to survive and if you're, going to, if you're going to grow or even maintain. And so for those individuals that have that forced awakening, uh, I think they'll, they'll probably, a lot of them will continue it and say, just like you said, 
this isn't a bad thing. This is actually, uh, man, what a great change this is. Um, look what we learned from it. Look at uh, our experience over these last several weeks. We can keep doing this and be successful, maybe be more successful, maybe have a better quality of life or practice or business, um, and it's going to keep going. Daniel, you're a gift. Uh, I, I've appreciated this, these 20, 30 minutes chatting with you. Um, one thing, one other thing before you, we go, though, you've recently had, what, like three or four articles recently published in Inc. Magazine, Sco Score or Scope? Score. Score. So maybe, maybe give the audience a few highlights of those articles, and I'll make sure that I list some of those so people can follow up with those. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, one of the things that I do a lot of mornings is uh, just part of the routine is, uh, is writing. And so, you know, I'll look at subjects that entrepreneurs or businesses uh, have, have questions on or concerns, or that's a hot topic, and I'll write on that. So uh, recently, uh, several of those have been picked up in different publications, and uh, the most recent ones dealt with uh, really, um, you know, hiring right, um, e experience in business, um, access to resources for businesses, things like that. These these are the the topics that are on the mind of, of all businesses, of all entrepreneurs, or on all executives. It's something we all think about. Um, and, and, you know, all I did was put a pen to the paper on some of it and, and put down my thoughts for whatever it's worth. Um, I think, I think the ones you mentioned are, are worth a read. They're short reads, you know, 10 minute reads for, for listeners out there that want to find them. Um, I would say if you're looking for, for any of my info or articles, um, definitely reach out on, on LinkedIn. Uh, I have an active profile on there. I always get in touch with anybody that reach out to me on LinkedIn as well, professionally. So you connect and have questions or want resources or assistance uh you know i'm always basically an email or a call away i put my phone on there as well and um but but no i mean i'm really just an open book on on business and i, I think some of it comes from uh that that's part of what i do at the university it's uh it's i, I fall under what's called university engagement and you know i'm meant to be a uh my office is meant to be a resource for for businesses to spur economic growth and, um, and, and it's a way for the university to give back to the business community and, uh, and the community in general to, to really help the economic, uh, economics and the, and the viability of businesses in the, in the community. Yeah, and what a great liaison for that role that you are by role modeling it every day with the Sycamore Winery there in West Terre Haute. So um, really, thanks for everything you do for the beautiful community of West Terre Haute. You and Sarah have done an incredible job and the team there is just incredible. Um, save me one of those slushies. Okay. Right. And, and the next time I'm, you know, driving through to see uh, my mom or dad, I'm going to stop by the winery there and grab that slushie. So Daniel, thanks again for being on here. Thank you. I appreciate the time. And uh, man, I tell you what, Travis, if I could mail you one, I would. All right. <laughs> Maybe that's your next innovation. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. Thanks so much, Daniel. Thank you, Travis.